Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental. Keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Hey there, thanks for joining me. I'm Jenny Cressman and this is a little chat show called Everything Bagels. This show isn't about bagels, of course. It's about anything and everything. It's just me having conversations with interesting people who are doing interesting things. One day, maybe I will interview someone who makes bagels. Who knows? Maybe I'll interview Jesse Cook about the show's theme music, Bogota by Bus. Maybe this time I'll win the lottery and be able to... Uh, well, maybe I'll just get started with the show now. Hey there, welcome to Everything Bagels. This is the first show I'm recording since something happened in my life that I should probably tell you about. I received an award for Best Talk Show here at 88.7 The Bay. I was very surprised and honored, particularly honored because it was an award named for Kareen Burns, whom I very much admired and whose voice often rings in my head when I think about doing an interview. She says, it's just a chat. We're just having a conversation. No big thing. So I often tell my people that when I'm interviewing them, if they seem a little nervous, we're just going to have a chat. Don't worry about it. No big thing. So here I am, ready to have a chat. No big thing. It's going to be fun. It'd be kind of free range, I think, with J.F. Coonan. Some people may know him as an artist. Other people may know him as a stonemason. And a few people may even know him as a poet. Welcome, J.F., Hello, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And it, okay, you're also known as Jason. Most people knew me only as Jason up till about seven years ago. Okay, and why the change? Well, as cheesy as it sounds, J.F. Coonan just sounds more professional artist than Jason. Jason's so common fair a name. Yeah, okay. Plus more. it's just the JFK connection. Sure, JFK. And that would Jason the Mason, JFK the artist. Correct. Okay. So have you always had art in your fingertips? Um, since about uh, the age of 13 is when I started to uh, pick up the pen and I did a lot of writing early on. Okay. From probably about 13 to 23, 25, all I did was write and write and write. And that was poetry or other things? Uh, a lot of poetry early on. It went more prose in like the later teens and early 20s. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote a novel in 2003 oh. and self-published it. I'd written a couple other little novels before that just nothing happened with. They were just like okay. inspired by like, I was big into the beat generation back yeah. in the day and just so the free flowing, you know, just so writing about life. Exactly. Kind of, yeah. And so what was the novel about? Well, it was just about basically an exaggeration of my life. <laughs> right. And the one I wrote, the one I wrote in Greece was, it's more like a memoir or a journal. Like it's mm-hmm. not like fiction, right? Like it's, more or less just what I did, but it was also when I wrote it. So I was 23. So it was just, I just recently reread it like 20 years later. And it's just uh-huh. like, almost like a coming of age. Like oh. I, when I went to Greece, that was the first year I was out of college. So uh-huh. it was like, I went there in October. So it was like, instead of going to school that year. So it was just, you know, the whole, like, where am I going to go now type and, you know, do I have to become an adult and all that Where stuff? Where am I going to go? <laughs> what am I going to do with yeah. my life? So Greece though, tell us about how that connection arose. Well, Greece came because of, well, the listeners who have been in Huntsville for a while, I worked at Louis too for over 10 years. And Louis, of course, as people would know, is Greek. 
mm-hmm. and uh, his sister owned a little fourplex right on the southern tip of Palapanese in a very small village. I think it was under 500 people hmm. called Stupa. Okay. So I just, my plan originally is I had an open ticket and I was going to go to Greece and then bounce around Europe. But once I got to this place, I was like 20 meters away from the Mediterranean facing due west. and. Oh. I just didn't go anywhere for three months. Wow. And so you spent your time writing mostly then while you were there? Oh, that's basically all I did, yeah. Okay, all not painting? No, I didn't. I wasn't even painting yet. Okay. Painting came much later. So it well, was, later, was there much, much of an later. overlap with the two? No, not really any overlap. No, it basically just was a switch that I once, uh, I, I don't even know how the switch happened completely. Hmm. Because during, so after I went to Greece and I did a bunch of traveling, I just worked two jobs all summer and then travel in Europe for the winters. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I went to like, you know, the big museums or, you know, you go to like Milan or um, Florence and whatnot. And uh, on the Louvre in Paris, you know what I mean? Like, and I guess that just started to inspire me that, and I did the big switch over. Probably be 2009, 2010 is when painting really took over. Okay. So there was sort of some overlapping of stuff, though, happening in the early 2000s, though. That seems to me when you had uh, some poetry out. You had a poetry book around then? Yeah, I self-published a poetry book. I think it was 04, uh-huh. 05. Mm-hmm. I self-published it. in, but So the novel I wrote in Greece, I actually self-published in six parts. Okay. Which was literally the six notebooks that I filled oh, when okay. I was there. Because I always write by hand. I can't sit at a keyboard and type to write. Like, it has to oh, be hand. interesting. It's maybe because I'm a f- way faster writer that I have a typer. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with it. But uh, I think it was in between the third and fourth book of, uh, well, the book's called Bloom, that mm-hmm. uh, I put out a poetry book called Soup and Other Spills. Okay. Okay. And, um, and then the honorable mention that you received from White Mountain Publications was 2004? Uh, I believe it was around 2004. Yeah. Okay. So that was published in their poetry collection. Yes. Cause so part of the thing, like the realization I had in Greece was like, if I was wanted to keep pursuing this writing was I can't just sit and write, Hmm. right? Like you have to, so I went through, the, the, I forgot the name of it was, it was a big book back in the day, like before the internet took over the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was just basically this huge book full of all kinds of publishers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just went through that and I literally sent out 50, 60 packages just to like, and I think I got like, I don't remember how many rejection letters, <laughs> like countless rejection letters, which I prefer the rejection letter over no response, to be honest. Like, yeah, at least no, they I took agree. The time yeah, absolutely. A few of them had like comments or criticisms to like help me on yeah. my way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the White Mountain that they were based out of uh, the north, I think it was Sudbury. Yeah, it sounds right. And uh, yeah, so I was surprised to get the honor. And they published, so they've published three years in a row, they took my poems. But the one year, yes, I got the honorable mention. So at that point, though, you were already starting to maybe mentally shift away from poetry towards art. Or was it more of a sudden, immediate shift? Well, I think the more the shift was, I did a lot of photography around that time. Okay. And played with film, just small films. Mm-hmm. So maybe I've never thought of it that way. Maybe that was the switch from writing, because, you know, with obviously with film, like you're writing and visual, mm-hmm. um, that the switch from the photography took over to the uh, actual, like, canvas. Hmm. 
Okay. And so did you start right away when you jumped into art? Did you start doing these massive big paintings that you're known for now? Or did <laughs> no, you no, start, start with little smaller, more diminutive I, I started, items? <laughs> uh, I started with, uh, actually, I started with really small watercolors originally. Okay. And a few pastels. And then, yeah, so the on canvas, I honestly started with just like dollar store canvases and mm-hmm. cheaper paint. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and well, as an artist, I always want to keep pushing myself. So at some point, obviously, I can only go so big. Right. But I always just like had a challenge for the year. For the last four years, I had a challenge of the year. So the mm-hmm. two years ago or three years ago, the challenge was to like paint as big as I ever did. Uh-huh. So that would have been two years ago because that's when I did my first Nuit Blanche. And I painted a six by 20 foot painting for that. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> it was massive and fun to paint. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Nuit Blanche this year, then you did something different, but also large. Yeah, so this year it was still a massive painting in the end, but it was actually four panels. Mm-hmm. And I put them so they were in a square and each yes. side was out. Mm-hmm. And each side was supposed to represent the different seasons. And then I was going to paint on it and try to blend the whole seasons together. Okay. Unfortunately, it didn't work in practicality. Like the theory was there, but yeah. when the first bit is a, was all, the first hour or two was mostly young kids painting on it. Right. And they didn't have any idea what it was supposed to, like it had it yeah. written. But anyways, they just painted their own thing, which wasn't a problem. It just, there was no, dis, uh, there wasn't much difference between the four. Okay. I, so then, yeah, around 10 o'clock that night. I uh, opened it. It was all on hinges and I opened it up and it was, uh, that one was six by 28 in the end. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So that's the biggest I've done. Okay. And so what has become of that piece? That piece is actually just sitting in storage right now. Okay. Yeah. So is it in separate pieces? Is it likely to be repurposed? I'm actually half thinking about, so my parents have a decent sized property and I was thinking about going out there and just actually painting over it white and making it a, new canvas just for me and Mm -hmm. uh, setting it all back up on scaffolding and actually filming it Mm. and -hmm. trying to make like, I don't know, not a documentary, but just like a little, I'd basically paint for like three, four days and Mm -hmm. turn it into three, four minutes. You know what I mean? Just for like a quick time lapse. Yeah. Like a mini doc. Yeah. 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 No, that sounds very interesting. And yeah, I think you would have a lot of interest in people seeing what you're doing, your your whole process. So like looking at some of your photos that I found on your website, which is malpracticepress.com yep. and also on Facebook, because I had to, you know, cyber stalk you a little. Right. <laughs> um, and so some of the, it's interesting to see the diversity of the types of paints you used. You use the little squeegee tubes like everybody else and little pots, but then there's also the big like house paint cans. Yeah. <laughs> so you're all over the map as far as the type of paint and things you use. Yeah, I think it was three years ago. The challenge was, or maybe it's four years. Anyways, um, my challenge was to buy no art supplies. Oh. Which forced me into, so people all of a sudden are like, oh, I got this leftover blue paint from painting my living room. And then this person had like these colors. So it was a lot oh, more house yeah. paint then. Uh-huh. But there were also people who had like done some painting and then they're like, oh, they pr- said they're probably never going to do it again. So they gave me their paints. Okay. But I ended up painting on like bed sheets. Like the surface <laughs> was the, like, if you're not buying canvas, the surface yeah. was the hard thing to find. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, and then some of the group of seven painted on boards. Did you uh, do I that did as that. well? I was actually doing those at the time. I was working for this company, and we were doing a renovation. There's all these old drawers we pulled out, and the bottom panels were uh, 
perfect for painting on. So I painted on a whole bunch of just like the bottom of drawers. (laughs) That's very cool. We're going to leave it at that right now. And we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back in a couple minutes with more of J.F. Kuhn and also known as Jason to some people. And we'll find out perhaps what the F stands for. Bye for the moment. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Hi, this is Jenny Grassman with Everything Bagels, back with JF Jason Coonan. I want to know what the F stands for. Stands for Frederick or Friedrich. Friedrich, ah. Spelled ah. fried rich. Yeah. <laughs> ah, das ist gut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Jason the Mason, you have been out of the masonry stuff for a long time because of uh, some elbow issues, it was? Yes, I've been out for about six years. Wow. Uh, I unfortunately broke my elbow then, fractured mm-hmm. radial head. Ooh. Um, had a surgery a year later. It didn't completely do what it needed to do. And last November, I had a second surgery and about uh, two months ago, I uh, became a Mason again. So how does it feel to be back in the group with that? Oh, it feels amazing. First uh-huh. of all, I'm my own boss again, which of yeah. course, you can't beat being your own boss. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and just getting back into my craft and like my trade. What sort of projects do you have on the go? Uh, currently, I am working, uh, actually, I'm out at Dyer's Memorial. Mm-hmm. Um, with the uh, Muskoka Conservancy, I have a five-year uh, contract with them to get it back up to uh, standard. Oh, wow. And not standards, right word, but you know what I mean? To yeah, get, yeah. Get, get Rehabilitate. Yeah, get some more maintenance. There's, it just needs some love, and there's some masonry yeah. work out there that definitely the mortar joints need to be filled back in. Sure, needs some love, and it was need created love. for love, so that's, that's right. appropriate. Yeah, that's a wonderful uh, place to hang out, I oh, think. Oh, it's a yeah. beautiful place, just yeah. by myself in the middle of nowhere for yeah. eight hours a day. Well, and your mind may slip into poetry while you're working there. That's Maybe right. you'll get back into poetry and <laughs> think about all the love and stones and and whatever else. <laughs> um, but your main love, though, aside from all of these things, is still art. And yes. you have had a busy spring and summer. Yes, it's it, been another busy spring and summer. The last three years have been busy spring and summers. Yeah. Between uh, the Art Crawl, the Huntsville yes. Festival the Art puts on for the yes. month, which also... so. Uh, First year, I was in Muskoka Jewelry Design. Mm-hmm. Second year, I was at Little Place by the Lights. Mm-hmm. This year, I went back to Muskoka Jewelry Design. And do they still have some of your work on display now? Or? Uh, Muskoka Jewelry Design, yeah. there's an, they've still allowed me to have an entire wall in their store, wow. which is pretty wow. nice to have. Because the art crawl was really just for June, right? Just the month of June, yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. So it's an, a lovely annual event that uh, is, yeah. goes on in Huntsville. For, for those listeners who are elsewhere, you need to come to Huntsville in June and crawl around. And also with that, then uh, there's usually public painting, which I've done for the last three years as well. Yeah. How does that feel to be on display like that? Is it pressure uh, or is it just fun? It's like anything else. It gets easier every time. Okay. The so- first time, like I didn't sleep for a week before it, just like, what am I ah. going to do? But even with my other paintings, I've just... I've gotten bigger and bigger at those too. So like the last two years I've been painting like a four by six painting when I was out at those. Okay. Just bigger is more fun. And plus I think bigger is just better for the public to watch than because my style, like a lot of the other artists are more like on like eight by tens or, Mm -hmm. and they're a lot of the other artists are more like detailed painters and like actual sceneries where if you see my art, like. I'm far more abstract and well, uh, far more totally. Like, well, not totally, but 
Yeah, I was totally for a while, but yeah. I slowly the the nature of this part of the world is seeping in, and uh-huh. there are uh, I have well, like the a one big, you did with the real statics. That, that's right. Yes, yeah. the real yeah. statics. Yeah, yeah, that was last year. That one I didn't sleep before either, though. Yeah, <laughs> that one turned into I was supposed to be like represent like a group of seven painter and being off in the background and people, mm. and it turned into me being like ten feet from the stage beside the real statics, and I was just like, yeah, I didn't sleep before that one. Same as last year, I painted uh, at the Tall Pines Music Festival mm-hmm. that happened in Gravenhurst. And that was a, that one I honestly almost dropped out at the last minute. I was just like freaking out going to paint at the music festival. Uh, so it, part of your process is nerves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what, what else is involved in preparing for a live show? Are you thinking about what you're going to be painting, how it's going to evolve, or is it a lot more sort of organic while you're there? You just sort of feel the music, say, or the vibes of the crowd and, and go with that? Well, it's or? funny you mentioned, so music is a huge part of my process. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ever come to my studio, like, I have two huge speakers. Yeah. And I just blast music and local try to... Local farmer, things like that. Local yeah. farmer. Well, you're not local unless you're a local farmer or local. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, yeah, the music. So the best way, I, so I still make like mix CDs in, uh, cause I don't like going on shuffle. I almost like the repetition or just the flow of knowing, mm. but also I know when it's working because all of a sudden the CD's over and I don't remember listening to it because I've just got yeah. absorbed into the painting. Okay. And uh, the type of music you listen to, is that reflected in the color choice or the brushstrokes or the texture or anything in any way? It definitely affects the painting. Um, if I go, let's just say I'm in more of a Hayden mode and like, mm-hmm. you know, acoustic guitar and I call it sad bastard music, right? Like just like <laughs> missing the love of your life type stuff. Yeah. But it's also, I found it's the speed I paint too. So if I'm ah. in a more... Um, aggressive mode I wouldn't say angry I'm not usually angry but or if I'm listening to like tool or death mm-hmm. tones or more like that like the paint is actually just getting on the canvas faster or, or I start throwing more yeah I was gonna right? say are you you're actually throwing splattering or yeah. using a brush or some other tool I, I rarely use a brush anymore okay. a lot of it is uh there's a lot of throwing um, there's a lot of palette knives. Mm-hmm. The majority of the time uh, I've been using actually a drywall knife lately. Oh, okay. And just seeing what, it, ultimately I just find anything. Like I just love experimenting and seeing what happens, right? Okay. So like sometimes like, I'll take a canvas and press it against it while it's wet and make two canvases okay. and then flip it. Like just, the, I just love the playing with like balance and colors. And a lot of the times I'm not even going for an image, right? It's just like, mm. hopefully like, like you're saying, like, does the music change it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping the viewer will like have the same feeling as like I was having when I was doing it. Okay. So it's, it's, um, looking at your website and looking at some of the images on Facebook, very diverse right? in, in the feeling of the paintings and the tone, texture, colors. Um, when you start painting, do you have, like a set this is what I'm going to use these colors in in mind at all no actually it's just uh okay depending so another thing with my process is I usually have like 10 or 12 on the go depending if they're smaller like I have a small camp or sorry a small studio in your basement of your house in the basement of my house (laughs) yeah um so it's basically and actually was part of the evolution of when I broke my elbow the first time because I used to or I, I do again um 
build my own stretchers and then mm. stretch the canvas. Mm-hmm. But the act of stretching canvas, like my elbow wouldn't take for years. Okay. So it turned up, I put uh, a few sheets of plywood are up on my walls and actually pin the canvas up. Oh, okay. And then after one is sold, that is when I uh, stretch them. Oh, okay. It's also great for storage because sure, <laughs> sure. I got a lot of paintings in my basement. Yeah. Well, have you ever tried painting blindfolded then? I have not gone blindfolded. Well, see, that makes me wonder. Like, if you don't have an idea in mind, if you just, you know, somebody sat a bunch of paints in front of you and blindfolded you and you started there just and then took off the blindfold and sort of saw what was there intuitively that you'd painted intuitively and then go from there to see if it becomes something worthwhile in your mind. It could work as a background for sure. Okay. So there we go. That's the challenge then. (laughs) Blindfolded paint. But even with the throwing, like as the years I've Mm -hmm. done it, like when I, it's not random when I throw it. Mm -hmm. Like if I want to splatter, let's say in the top right corner, like I know how much, like the right amount of paint to get on my brush or my stick. Sure. And throwing and just the angles and everything. Oh, okay. Okay. It's not as like with splatter, like Jackson Pollock, obviously, like who made splattering Jack, Jack the Dripper. Yeah. Um, it's not as random as people think it is, or just like yeah. a four-year-old could do it. Like there's a right. lot more to there's it more than thought. that. Yeah. Well, the, one of the reasons that painting blindfolded sort of came to my mind is because I have a friend whose father was an artist who went blind and he continued right. painting live on stage once he was blind. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. So it, That he painted like that, not that he went blind. Abstract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Not portraits, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, so it is, it is possible to, to paint without seeing what you're doing. Um, just having that, I guess, sense of knowing the, the space and right. knowing, yeah. Anyway. So there we go. <laughs> so what's next on the horizon for your art projects? Uh, as of right now, I'm actually just trying to lay low and just find just time for the studio and just mm-hmm. do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, odds are later in the fall, I will do another little show. I usually do an annual show at my house either. Okay. It just in my, I have the, Called the bargain basement blowout sale. Okay, which is just trying to unload merchandise that I have tons of. Sure, and, and make prepare room for, for Christmas shopping. So <laughs> make room for the the next year's inventory. So yeah, you had shows out to dry and yard sale. Was yes. that a blowout thing, or was that a different event? Well, anytime I do one at my house, since it's not in a gallery, mm-hmm. I actually have it where people pick the price. Oh. I don't put prices on anything. Oh, Obviously, there is a minimum for some of them because I have been sure. people would be like. It's a four by six painting. They'll be like, how about 10 bucks? You're like, yeah. uh, the, the canvas is worth more than that. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. yeah. But no, they're very successful. So like out to dry, I actually hung uh, clotheslines all through the uh, my backyard. Okay. And like hung them like laundry. Cool. So it was like a, a, the other one I did right uh, shortly after that was called a show without walls. And it was the same. It was like, so same only idea. just canvas, just hanging and no walls. Wow. We yeah. did it. We did an art show in Cuba with the uh, same laundry style of, of display. It's, it's very fun. And I think uh, it's like a great feeling for the per- people looking at the art to just wander through it. And it flaps yes, in front of yeah, them. And, and you outdoor, know, just, and yes. Yeah. It's all beautiful. Anyway, um, very nice to chat with you, J.F. Coonan, and hear about your art as well as your masonry. And people can find you at malpracticepress.com or uh, J.F. Coonan, either Instagram or Facebook. Okay, very good then. This has been Jenny talking with J.F. on Everything Bagels, award-winning talk show on 88.7 The Bay. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in to Everything Bagels, a show about anything and everything, airing every other Sunday on 887 The Bay. If you missed the show, don't worry. You can find podcasts of all my interviews on two websites, huntersbayradio.com and muskokaunlimited.com. I post links to the shows on Facebook, as well as photos of my guests. Look for the author, Jenny Cressman Page, and follow me around. I'll try to keep you entertained. Everything Bagels with me, Jenny Cressman, will be back again in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Enjoy life. Enjoy bagels. Enjoy everything you can. Hasta luego.